I'm excited for him to finish this um, session. And I gave him this assignment. This was the assignment I gave him, was Tony, after hearing all the stuff that we're going to hear today in the panel and from Jason and Barry, what do we do with this? And so would you please welcome Pastor Tony Clark. All righty, it's so good to be uh, back here uh, again, and you know, let me just say this up front, that um, I was speaking at a conference over uh, in Hawaii about a month ago, and uh, I got sick over there. That's, this is like the second or third time I've gotten sick over in Hawaii, and um, so I came back, you know, get healed all up, but I have this lingering cough. That's just lingering. I went to the doctor. Finally, you know, as a Marine, I, I ain't going to no doctor. Went to the doctor. And so I'm going to have to go back to the doctor when I get home. I said, this thing is still lingering. So just forgive me if you, you know, if I'm coughing and carrying on and just, you know, just ignore it is my point that I'm making. So. I, um, I, I'm thrilled to be here. Now, one of the things I, I want you to just see is you can see my shirt, uh, ask me the Greek word. Now, here's the thing. I've been in ministry almost 40 years now, so I'm beyond the, the, the part of trying to impress people. So I'm beyond that. Uh, you know, I, 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 I quote a lot of Greek words because the Greek language is more expressive than the English language. For example, we have one word for love. We know there's different kind of love. The love I have for my wife is different from the love I have for my children and the love I have for cheesecake. It's just different kind of love, just different kinds. But the Greeks were more expressive. They had phileo for brotherly love. They had storge that describes the love between a parent and a child and vice versa. Uh, they have eros, where we get erotic, exotic, sexual, sensual love. Now, the word agape that is so common to us, agape was not a part of the classical Greek language until the apostles introduced it into the language. The Greeks knew nothing about divine love, God's love, God's love that gives with no strings attached. They knew nothing about that love. So the Greek language is more expressive than our English language. And on top of that, I quote it in order to expand our understanding of the verse that we're studying. So I, I like to learn that way, and I'm sure other people like to learn that way as well. So I said all that to say this. You're going to hear uh, several Greek words that are used that's going to help us expand our understanding of what these verses are trying to tell us. So turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 16 because my assignment was putting all this together, all of this prophecy, all this stuff, end time stuff. How should we be living today? What should we be doing in light of all these things, we see the signs that Jesus Christ is soon to return. How should we be living? What should we be doing? And that brings us to Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. And Father, we do thank you for your word. We are so thankful 
for this opportunity. We pray, God, that your spirit would move, that nothing will hinder your word from going forth. Lord, that we will not just be hearers of your word, but we will be doers. You said this man or woman will be blessed in what he does. So speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who are note takers, you can do, uh, write down this as a title, Let Your Light Shine. In light of everything we just finished hearing, we need to let our light shine as believers. And we're going to talk about some things that's going to hinder our light from shining and all that kind of stuff. So, let your light shine. Now, I just had to get this out. For those who were note takers when we were up here and, and Pastor Barry quoted, um, you know, how the Bible says God hangs the earth on nothing, Job 26, verse 7, and how uh, God sits upon the circle of the earth, Isaiah 40, verse 22, as well as Proverbs 8, verse 27. Both talks about, you know, see, I, if I was a note taker, I would have wanted to know that. So I'm just, that, that was free. <laughs> I just had to give you that. That, that was free. So, let your light shine. Now, these verses come right at the beginning of the greatest sermon ever given by Jesus, commonly called the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus just wrapped up the section called the Beatitudes. And these are attitudes that should be in our lives as believers. Now, He begins to continue this particular study in this sermon he's given in verses 14 through 16. And once again, I'm a word person, so we're going to jump in. I'm going to read these verses, and we're going to come back and dive into them. Look what he says there. He says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand that it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. All right, let's dive in. We're going to take it apart piece by piece to see what Jesus is trying to convey in this great sermon on the mount. The first thing I want to draw to your attention is in verse 14. Notice it says, you are the light of the world. This you, the pronoun, humius in the Greek language, is emphatic. He, Jesus is saying, you believer, you Christian, you follower of Jesus Christ. In other words, there, there seems to be an urgency that Jesus is making to the believer because he put emphasis on the you. You, notice you are the verb in this present tense meaning that you are right now, not next week, not next year. You are right now today. And once again, there seems to be some type of urgency that Jesus is putting emphasis here. You are what? Notice he says, the light of the world. I want to draw your attention to the word light. The Greek word for light is phos. It means a source of light. It is the root from where we get photo or photographed, which is an image produced by light. 
So Jesus is saying that we as believers are called to be a photo or a photograph of who he is to this dark world. In other words, as we live out the Beatitudes in verses 1 through 11, this dark world will get a glimpse, a photograph, or a picture of what Jesus is all about by looking at our lives. Now, for those of you, and most, a lot of you in here, you, you're my age or older, you remember, and I heard that they're bringing it back, the old Polaroid camera. You remember you push that button, and, and it come out, and then you start fanning it, and, you know, because it's still fuzzy. You, you start fanning it, you know, and, and the image come in. So if we are to be a picture, a photo of who Jesus is, I just wonder, is the picture we're showing them fuzzy? Or how clear is it? And if we used to fan it, let the air get to it, let the wind touch it, in order for the picture to become clear, some of us need the wind of God's spirit to blow afresh upon our lives so we can start reflecting a clear picture, a photograph of who Jesus is in this world. We need that in our lives because the picture that we're showing the people at home, the picture we're showing in our community is not a clear picture of Jesus. What I'm seeing out here, especially out here in California, that I see a picture of Christian Republicans. That's what I see from out here. I'm in Virginia now. That what you are all about out here is to give people a clear picture or photograph of what a Republican is. And that's what I see. And that's not what the Bible says here. He says, you are the light, the photo, the photograph of me. So what are we showing this world? That Jesus is about politics? That Jesus is about Republican Party? What are we showing? It's a fuzzy picture, precious people. It's not clear at all. And this is why a lot of the world says, if that's what it means to be a Christian, I want no part of it. Because we're yelling, we got the vein popping out here in the forehead. You and you and especially you over there. We're supposed to be a clear photograph of Jesus. Notice, he let us know, you're the light, notice, of the world. Cosmos is that Greek word. It's where we get our English words, cosmetics. It means the orderly arranging of things. Ladies, you understand that word. You took makeup this morning and you orderly arranged it all over your face. That's that's what you did this morning. So he is telling us that we should be the light of the world. We have to unpack this a little bit more because there seems to be a problem. You said, well, what do you mean? Well, in John 8, 12, Jesus said about himself, he says, I am the light of the world. Now, here he is saying, we are the light of the world. Okay, which is it? Are we the light of the world or is Jesus the light of the world? Both, both. Jesus is like the sun, S-U-N, and we are like the moon. 
you understand the moon doesn't have its own light. It reflects the light of the sun. And the only time that the moon does not reflect the light of the sun is during an eclipse. During an eclipse. That's when the world, the earth, gets in between the sun and the moon and stops the moon from reflecting the light of the sun. There are many Christians today who are experiencing a spiritual eclipse. You have allowed this world and the things of this world to block the light of Jesus from shining through you. And you've experienced a spiritual eclipse. Now, I believe the reason why a lot of believers in Jesus Christ are not being the light of the world is because, like I said, you're experiencing a spiritual eclipse. You've allowed this world and the things of this world to get in between you. Let me explain. You remember Jesus said in the parable of the sower in Mark 4, verse 19, he said that the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires of other things come in, choke the word of God out of our lives, and we become unfruitful. Or we experience a spiritual eclipse. These three things can cause us to experience a spiritual eclipse. Number one, he said the cares of this world. The Greek word for cares is marimna. And it means distraction, worries, or care. My precious ladies here, you worry about everything. You think worry is a spiritual gift. You worry about the kids, the grandkids. You worry about the job. You worry about security. You worry about the economy. You worry about the political arena. You worry. You just worry. And, and then if, if, if you stop worrying about something, you tap somebody else. You got something I can worry for you. <laughs> you just love to worry. Worry about the bills, the house. You worry about the health, the health of your husband. Or you just worry, 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 the cares. Or notice that word can be uh, also translated as distractions. The cares or distractions of this world can cause us to spirit, experience a spiritual eclipse. You remember the story. Uh, as a matter of fact, I just heard it on the radio as we've been driving around. Everyone talks about the, the story of Mary and Martha. And the, normally the way it's taught is... Mary was about that worship, and Mary and Martha was about serving. And seeing people, you need to be about worship. And, you know, Jesus said one thing is needed and all that kind of stuff. Let me tell you something. There's something people miss. It said that Martha also sat at his feet. But watch this. It goes on to say, but she was distracted. See, many people just believe that Mary was that worshiper. Oh, she was at the feet of Jesus. Martha was too, but she got distracted. And you remember marimna, that Greek word can be translated as distractions. Have you got distracted in your walk with the Lord? Last few years, have you been distracted? You made your walk with God all about the political stuff and and vaccines and masks and all kind of crazy stuff and you know, mask shaming and all kind of stuff. (laughs) You're distracted. If that's what you've been about, you've been distracted. And notice the cares of this world can cause us to experience 
a spiritual eclipse. I want you to notice the second thing. He said the deceitfulness of riches. The Greek word for deceitfulness is apate, and it means delusion or to deceive. See, it is called, notice, the deceitfulness of riches because riches or money deceives us into thinking the more we have, the happier we will be. Don't believe it. Proverbs 23, verse 5 says, For riches certainly make for themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle towards heaven. And all of us can say amen to that. Do you really want to know why many Christians are not super rich? And I, I know I'm, I'm addressing people in California where, you know, um, uh, a studio apartment the size of here to this to this would be $3,000 a month. And I know, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of nuts out here how things are. So, but do you know why many Christians are not super rich? Because 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some, watch this, have strayed concerning the faith, and in their greediness pierced themselves through with many sorrows. This is why, because God knows that the love of money will cause you, watch this, to stray concerning the faith and pierce yourself through with many sorrows. I know some of you are like, well, God, can you at least give it, let me try it? (laughs) I show you I won't stray. (laughs) Sunday roll around, you you out on your boat. Or like people back in Virginia, you saying Sunday fun day. And, you know, you, you will not see you at church anymore. We're like, what happened? You have strayed concerning the faith. The third thing that can cause us to experience a spiritual eclipse is notice he says, <clears throat> number three, the desire for other things. Uh, the, the Greek word for desires is epithumia. It's a great Greek word. It means to lust after or, watch this, or to long for something that is forbidden. The secretary on the job. The exercise instructor at the gym. Men and women on porn sites. It's to long for what is forbidden. You know that is forbidden, and therefore you're longing for it. And it will cause us to experience a spiritual eclipse. Why? Because no longer are we going after the Lord. Now your attention is to long for and pursue that which is forbidden. And I believe God is speaking to some people today. You've been pursuing that which is forbidden. And God sees it, and he loves you, but he wants you to know he sees it. And it will cause you to experience a spiritual eclipse. So he says, you are the light of the world. Notice he says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, as Jesus was giving this sermon on the slopes of the Mount of Olives, I believe he was pointing to the city called Safe. S-A-F-E-D. It's it's 2,650 feet above sea level. 
And, and I'm sure he is pointing to that city. They all can see it. He's on the uh, slopes of the Mount of Olives. They're looking up. They can see, see a city set on the hill cannot be hidden. In the daytime, you can see the buildings and the structures on top of the hill. You can't hide. At night, a city set on the hill cannot be hidden because you see the lights coming through the windows and doors of the city set on the hill. So no matter what, a city set on the hill cannot be hidden. I want to draw your attention to the word hidden. The Greek word is krypto, and it means to conceal, to hide, or to keep secret. And unfortunately, many Christians are secret agent Christians, 007 Christians, undercover for the Lord. Jesus said that we cannot hide our lights. Some people proudly, and I don't know why, where they get this from, Some people proudly proclaim, well, Pastor Tony, I'm the silent witness. Okay, first of all, there's no such animal. (laughs) Because, see, people will see your kindness and your goodness and never know the source of where it came from, which is Jesus Christ, unless you tell them. It is both living and telling. Now, we have been conditioned in our society to shut our mouths. Christians, shut our mouths. Muslims can say whatever they want to say. Muslims have more rights in in, in America than Christians. You realize that, don't you? Any other religion, they can talk. But we, shut your mouth, Christian. Oh, you know, I was praying to Allah five times a day. Ooh. Well, Jesus, you know, I went to church and heard a message about Jesus. Oh, come into the office. <laughs> we, we have to talk to you and potentially give you this as a warning. Next time you bring up that name, that name which is above every name, the name that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. That name, you bring that name up again and you get in this pink slip. We've been conditioned to shut our mouth because we have the greatest message the world can ever hear. The message of Jesus Christ that your sins can be forgiven because of the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ. And you can be forgiven. And that message that Satan has conditioned the world to tell Christians, shut your mouth. And then when we say, well, you know, I'm just quoting the Bible. Oh, well, that book is a hate book now. A, A hate book. Because we used to get away with them to say, I'm just quoting the Bible, you know. And they said, oh, no, that's a hate book. Is the Quran a hate book? Oh, no, no. (sighs) But this, so we've been conditioned to be quiet. We've been conditioned to go underground. We've been conditioned to, to not express our faith when Jesus told us, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, Pastor Tony, you just don't understand. I'm just, I'm waiting on the leading. You know how super spiritual y'all are. I'm waiting on the leading of the Lord to go. Jesus told you to go 2,000 years ago. <laughs> go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy teaching them to observe all things I said to you, Lord, with you. He told us to go 2,000 years ago. What you waiting on? 
Just curious. Just curious. So, so it, it has to be both living and telling. And then in verse 15, notice it says, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. The, the word nor there is a conjunction used to introduce a negative statement. The first negative statement was at the end of verse 14. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden. Nor, introducing another negative statement, do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. We don't turn on lights for the purpose of hiding it, but to give us light. He says, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. Modios is the Greek word for basket. It means something used to cover something else, like a bowl or, or, or some object. So what can cause us to cover the light of Jesus Christ in us? Number one, unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin. David is an example of that. In Psalm 51, it is believed that he hid his sin with Bathsheba uh, for nine months, and he said his bones began to just ache within him. That's the first way we cover up our light. Number two, the fair man. Mentioned that in Proverbs 29, 25. The fair man brings a snare. Uh, We know from Luke 21, verse 26, it says, men's hearts will fail them for fear. And so we have the fear of man. And like we talked about earlier, uh, uh, the fear of offending someone. That's a big thing today. Uh, the, the, the fear of losing your job. That's a real, now, now I say, okay, let me just say this. God placed us on our jobs because he wants to reach those people on that job. But they did not hire you to be the company chaplain. That's not what they hired. They hired you to do a job. So you got to pray that God gives you those divine appointments uh, in the, in the coffee, shop, coffee room or before and after lunch and all that kind of stuff or after work. You got to pray for the God to get, open up those doors. They didn't pay you to be the chaplain. They didn't pay you to get up on the uh, table in the break room and start preaching. That's not what they paid you to do. And then when they fire you, you're like, oh, I got fired for righteousness sake. No, you got fired... Because you wasn't doing your job. That's why they fired you. So, so we, we got the fear of man, or fear of f- offending someone, the fear of losing our job, the fear of losing a friendship, partnership, or here it is, relationship. Fear will cause us to hide our lights because you're lonely, single people, because you're lonely. And this person seems to be interested in you. He's not into spiritual things. Some people, some women are grasping for straws. First thing we ask, well, is he a Christian? Well, he mentioned God one time in our conversation. (laughs) He mentioned God one time. Are you serious? And all because you don't want to be alone. You settle and won't bring up the things of God. You do, you try to do evangelistic dating. You know what I'm saying? You know, you get that person, you know they're not a Christian. You think you're going to win them to the Lord. And all the time, they're going to win you to the world. Bad company corrupts good habits. Last time I checked, that was in that Bible right here. And so because of the fear of losing that relationship and you being alone again, 
you'll hide your light. And I've seen this happen a lot. But the purpose of lighting a light is to put it on a lampstand so it can give light, notice, to all who are in the house, the end of verse 15 says. So Jesus said in verse 14, we are the light of the world, but here in this verse, he is saying that the first place that light should be seen is to those, notice the prepositional phrase, in the house. We're called to be a light first at home. Are you a light at home? <laughs> it's funny. I've seen many people. I've seen many people. You know, they're serving at church and, you know, maybe an usher or something, you know, and they open up the door and welcome, welcome to Calvary Vista. We just, oh, here's, a, you, you, here's something for you to look at. Oh, God bless. This is your first time. Oh, we're so glad to see you here. And you get home, you know, you don't even open the door for your wife and well, door hit her in the face and, you know, hey, you yelling at folks and the kids and her. and so, But you all so sweet and so nice and so kind to everybody at church and, 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 you know. No, the first place the light of Jesus is to be seen is to those in the house. Our first ministry is at home. Did you know that? If a man doesn't know how to take care of his own house, how can he take care of the house of God in 1 Timothy 3, verses 4 and 5? I mean, it's a rhetorical question, meaning that he can't. Ministry starts at the house. They should see you being an usher at the house first. Oh, you're just so, you work in the children's ministry, you're just so, you're so patient with those kids. You're throwing your kids around the house. And... <laughs> the first place... That light of Jesus is to be seen is at the house. Those in the house. Notice. Notice what he says in verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The word let there is a verb that means to allow, don't prevent. Meaning don't prevent your light from shining before men. But I want you to notice something that so many people miss. Not just let your light shine, but let it so shine. The adverb so gives shine more punch. Just like John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. He just didn't love the world, but he so loved the world. The word love didn't give it enough of how he feels about this word. So the, word, the adverb so is placed in front of it to such a great extent. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So don't just let your light shine, but let it so shine. And notice... That they may, notice what it says there, that they may see your good works. This world needs to see Jesus. And I think they see us, big C church, they see us as just a big political, they look at Christians, conservative Christians as just Republican, whether you believe it or not. That's what, they, that's what the world is seeing. Let me say something here. I believe I'm, I'm putting my 
years of being a, a, a person who came from this church, and I'm putting, it all, putting the chips all on the table now. We know abortion is a terrible thing. We know it is. But watch this. You guys have exalted abortion to the unforgivable sin out here. You have. You've made it such a heinous thing, and it is. But you've exalted it to a place that God said the only unforgivable sin is the rejection of Jesus Christ. But you have made abortion the unforgivable sin to where if anyone even dares to disagree with you, you in your heart and maybe through your mouth condemn them to hell itself. It is a bad thing and a horrible thing. But watch this, watch this, watch this. I got your attention now. (laughs) Can I just help you? Can I just help you for a minute? Care about that unborn baby, not just in the womb, but all the way to the tomb. You care about them when they're in there. But do you still care? Oh, please hear me. Hear my heart. Do you still care when they come out of the tomb and they may look like me? Do you care for them from the womb all the way to the tomb? Or do you just care for them in here? What about when they're born? Do you still care about them? Or once they're born, you're pointing, you leftist, Marxist, liberal. I just, I came all the way from Virginia just to try to help you. It's a heinous thing. Yes. But don't stop caring for them once they're born. Care for them still, no matter how they look when they come out. It's easy to fight for those who have, are voiceless inside. But care for them once they're born. And maybe they don't think, look, or vote like you. Do you still care for them? My point is, give that same energy that you're giving when they're in the womb Give them that same energy all the way to the tomb. That was free for you to put in your hip pocket there. I'm giving out free gifts. I'm laying gold at y'all's feet. You don't even know it. I'm just, I'm trying to help you. I'm just trying to help you. So they need to see Jesus. They need to see Jesus in actions. Watch this through our good works. Why? Why? We're not saved by our good works. We know that. We're saved by grace through faith. But they can't see our faith in our hearts. They can see what we do. And what good works are we showing the world out there? What, what good works are we showing the world out there that will make them look at us and notice what it says? And glorify your Father which is in heaven. 
glorify. Uh, doxazo is the Greek word. It's where we get doxology from. It means to praise, to honor, and watch this, and to think well of. What good works are we doing, Big C Church, that we are doing, that when the world looks at us, they would think well of our Father in heaven. We have to ask ourselves that. So when we're picketing and when we're at the parades and at the abortion clinics and all this kind of stuff, will the world look at us and think well of our God in heaven? That's the, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We have to ask ourselves that church, Big C Church, we have to ask ourselves the works that we're doing, that we're taking outside of the walls of this church and all churches that's represented here, when we do them, will the world entail say, wow, there must be a God in heaven, and they will speak well of our God. Or do they look at us and say, oh, I don't want no parts of that. That's the last group of people that I want to be a part of. We, have to, we got to look in the mirror on this church. We have to look in the mirror because it's so easy for us to think we're doing God's work. Matter of fact, it, it says in John 16 too, Jesus said that there will be people who will kill you who would think they're doing God's service. We can easily leave here and do things, and we think we're doing God's service, and we're doing just the opposite. Because the, the, the ultimate thing for us is to win lost people to Christ. This is the only reason why we're here. No, Pastor Tony, we're here so we can worship God. Oh, we're going to worship God for all eternity. No, Pastor Tony, we're here to study the word, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, book by book. When we get to heaven, we're going to sit at Jesus' feet. What better Bible study is that going to be? (laughs) There's only one thing we can't do in heaven, and that's to win lost souls to Christ. All we have is now to do that. And we got to ask ourselves, what are we doing to win lost souls? Are we doing this to win them to Christ? When we're angry, vain, popping out, spitting, you know, you and them people, look at you. We got to ask ourselves, church, and we got to look in the mirror. And we got to say, is what we're doing working? You know, somebody somebody used to say, how's that working for you? Like I said, 40 years ago when I got saved, all we were talking about was winning the loss. It's funny, my wife and I, we're walking down on the Oceanside Pier, and I said, you remember how on Fridays we used to come down here and hand out tracts and, and talk to people about Jesus? And you, I said, you remember when we were doing that back in the 80s? And she said, yeah, yeah. That's not what's happening today. Oh, sure, you have some few folks here and there, but we used to flood that place down there. We used to go down, I think it used to be called the Avo or some Avo Theater, something. We used to go to the little street fair they used to have here that y'all got it all fixed up since I've been here. But <laughs> we used to go down there and just, we just wanted to share with people. We just wanted to see people get saved. That's not the mindset today. Mm-mm. That's not the mindset. People are not caring about, caring about winning lost souls. Sure, they may say it, but people still vote with their feet. 
I just, I just said, we have to look in the mirror. We have to look in the mirror. Now, the amazing thing about this, it said that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. They need to see Jesus. They need to see Jesus. I'm reminded of in Matthew chapter 17. You remember when Jesus went on top of the Mount of Transfiguration and said that he was transfigured? The Greek word for transfigured is metamorphuo. It's where we get metamorphosis from, that process that the caterpillar becomes a butterfly. And so what it was saying is that Jesus' deity was shining forth through his humanity. When, when uh, Moses and Elijah appeared to him on top, y'all well taught, you know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of us to need, that need to experience a spiritual metamorphosis where the Jesus in us is shining forth through us that when people see us, they don't see us, they see Jesus. And I believe that we need to really examine ourselves and look in the mirror and say, you know, how am I living out my Christianity in light of the end time? Jesus can come back at any time. Okay, okay. Our job is to get people saved so they can come with us when we're raptured out of here. What are we doing to do that? You know, well, you know, well, we, we, we're trying to wait for people to come to church and Pastor Rob will teach that good word and then give an invitation. They come to know Christ. Okay, great. That's, that, that's great. But expecting sinners to come to church is like expecting criminals to go to the police station. It's not something they ready going to do. We got to get out there and we got to get out there and engage them. It's great when you invite them, they come in, and you sit back and let Pastor Rob do all the, all the work. That's great. That's great. But, but we're called to go out there, reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ, then bring them in so they can get taught like you did. And then they go out and reach more people, then they bring them in. They get taught like they were taught. And it just keeps going. I just wonder... You know, Paul said, my deep concern is for the churches. And that's my heart. My deep concern is for the church in America. My, my heart breaks for the American church. Because, number one, I'm in America. I, I fought for this country in, in the Marine Corps. And, but my concern is for the church. I, I think... I think for, for a lot of us, we've, we've kind of lost our way. Big C. I'm talking about Big C Church. Some of y'all on fire for God doing your thing. But I think we've kind of lost our way. But now that we hear that Jesus Christ can come back at any time, we see the, 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 the technology, we see everything. You know, 100 years ago when the book of Revelation says every eye will see the image that was placed in the temple and all this kind of stuff, they were scratching their heads saying, what's that all about? Oh, we know every eye going to see, they'd be on CNN. You know, we, we, we know that. Technology is here. They're already paying for stuff with their right hand, going to the grocery store and just boop, 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 take it out. Boop. It, 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 the technology is here. Now we have to let our light shine. 
And you got to look in the mirror and say, how, how is my light shining? What, what does my light look like? If I'm to be a picture in the photograph of Jesus, what kind of image am I showing my neighbors? What kind of image am I showing my children, my, my grandchildren? What kind of image am I showing when I, when, I, when I go to the store and go places? What kind of picture or image or photograph am I showing this world so when they look at my life, are they squinting and say, what, what image is that? Or can they really see Jesus? I think we need a fresh outpouring of God's spirit upon us. The wind, the the ruach, the the Hebrew word for for wind. We need a fresh wind of his spirit to come upon our lives so we can be the people he's called us to be. And so as we wrap it up, Talking about letting your light shine, you got to ask yourself, is my light even shining at all? Am I more about politics than I am about Christ? These are questions we have to ask ourselves. And once again, I'm just going to say, I know and I believe and I'm with you that abortion is a heinous thing. I said, I said, it's awful funny. I said, y'all believe in abortion, but you here. I said, somebody didn't abort you. I said, you're here. So why is it that, oh, you, you know, and, and, you know. So we know it's a heinous thing, but it's not the unforgivable sin. Whether you believe it or not, there's people in here who's had an abortion. And many of them are aching as a result of it. And they need to know that it's not the unforgivable sin. It's a sin that can be forgiven. But I wonder if that message even gets out from us, Big C Church. Or do we just constantly just, it's a bad thing. So I don't want you leaving, oh, he believes it's okay to get it. No, don't, you lying. I believe it just like you. I be yelling it just like you. It's wrong. But I, the Bible says, speak the truth in love. I just wonder how much love is going as we're speaking the truth. And there's all kind of video clips of people, Christians at abortion clinics or gay pride parades. And, and I, just, I just wonder how much, how much of Jesus, image of Jesus is really being seen. Is really being seen. And so it's something for us to look at. It's something for us to check our hearts about. And it's something for us to look in the mirror. May God help us to represent him. We're in the last days. No, no, we're in the last hours. We're in the last moments. And Jesus can come back at any time. You're in a very awesome church. You've been well taught. Don't just be in here, you know, like a a big fat rat just coming, just getting fed all the time. And you... And we got to roll you out like we do at the buffets. We got we to got, we got roll you out of here, you know. No, 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 no. No, don't, don't let that be you. Begin to put some feet and just ask the Lord, Lord, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. 
so I can, as it's been said, speak the word with boldness, um, Acts 4.31. So I can speak the word. The, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to empower us to preach the gospel. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit, not to have us run around church and do weird, bizarre things. No, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to give us the power to speak his truth. May God help us to speak his truth. Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you for your kindness towards us. Thank you for these, your precious people. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit will come upon them. I pray that you would use them, Lord. Fill them afresh. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Help us to represent you better in these last and evil days that we live in. Help us to represent you. Help us to show your love and grace to a world that so desperately needs you. Help us to let our light shine in the midst of this dark world that we live in. Lord, we need you. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.